May we affirm our faith with love and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Ephesians chapter 14, verses 11 through 13. The gifts he gave was that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. This is God's word for God's people.
So we're beginning to dig into our sermon series on core principles of discipleship, a, a series that's trying to answer the question of what does it look like to be a disciple of Christ. You know, as Rachel and I encourage you and others in our ministry to grow spiritually, to spiritually mature and to grow in their faith, when we urge people to, to deepen their lives of discipleship, um, we think we have something in mind and are not just talking. And we want to share some of those thoughts with you as to what's behind those comments, what that vision is that we have of how we will be as disciples of Christ. I'm calling these core principles because they are enduring and, and fundamental truths in our point of view that are able to serve as guidelines for us as we try to shape our response to the impact of God in our lives and we choose to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. If they're good core principles, they're, they're helpful and they're uh, measurable. So we want to be thinking as we go through this, um, how do these principles set up a standard for me? What kind of expectations are, are now mine for myself as a disciple of Christ in light of this core principle? How might I measure my uh, responsiveness to this call of discipleship? We want to be clear about where we hope that we're headed, what the goal is that we're striving to reach. And I'll say again, as I did last week, that I think the purpose of our faith is not just to get our doctrines straight. It's important to have a, a solid theology that can anchor our, our sense of the world, the cosmos, God, our relationship to God, our relationship to one another. Having good theology that holds that coherently together and makes some sense, that's important. That's important. Yet what's more important is being transformed into a lover of God and a lover of neighbor, a transformation, transformation that God would have us make. Orthodox thinking is helpful. Faithfulness in life is the goal. And let me say that I think there is no good way to the bedroom, nor to the boardroom, the dining room table, or the negotiation table that does not follow the path of love of God and love of neighbor rather than the love of self. Jesus taught us that. We are to live that out in our lives. We know this. We know this, yet we also know that it's kind of hard. And I guess it's kind of hard because of the kind of creatures that we are. We have a sense of this truth innately. Sometimes it's like a, a glimpse through a veil, or it seems like a, a dream 
It's elusive, it's inspiring, yet it's fleeting. We want it. But are uncertain how to gain it. I've asked Ev and Jenny to help us now to, to set an emotional tone for our yearning, for this search that we have. I dreamed a dream in times gone by When hope was high and life worth living I dreamed that love would never die I dreamed that God would be forgiving Then I was young and unafraid at night with their voices soft as thunder as they tear your hope apart and they turn your dream to shame our dream for ourselves and uh, how the world is to be, it comes up hard against sin and the callousness of others and those hopes, those dreams uh, fracture, uh, dissolve. We want a love that will not die. We want to rest assured that we are forgiven. Yet it seems, you know, it seems that we can't find it or believe it until we find our way home to God. In Christ, we find the balm. Through God's merciful grace, we experience the healing. And this transformation leads us into a life of discipleship to the one who saves, to Christ. So I would maintain this transformation takes root and finds expression, God help us, through the church. And so we begin today by taking a look at one another, taking a look at our context. 
taking a look at the church, the congregation. We become a disciple through the encounter with the risen Lord. Our decision thereafter to do something about it, well, that's our call into living out the consequence of that encounter, the living out of our faith. We seek to give it expression and to let it lead us in the living of our lives. And so we grow in our faith, we hope, and, and figure out what to do with it through the helpfulness of the church. The church is our training center for a discipleship. It's our gym. The church is our mission base for our discipleship. I think one of the core principles of discipleship is that disciples look to their church to be this for themselves and work within the church so that it does this for them and it does it for others as well. Disciples seek to make their church a training center and a mission base. They are intentional about the purpose of their faith community, and they seek to make it function towards achieving the goal of making, maturing, and mobilizing disciples of Christ for the transformation of the world. This is what we're supposed to be about. And we might involve getting some warm fuzzies or potlucks and other things like that that are fun. But this is the reason that we gather. The impact of God on our lives and our desire to help make that impact happen in other people's lives. For us to learn what to do about it when we have that impact in our lives so that we are somehow renewed or born again, given new life, made into God's new creation. Well, you've got that insert, and I've got on the back of, the, on the back of it at the top the, the lining out of this core principle, and you've got some lines there that you can take some notes on of what strikes your fancy. I want to focus in on these two things of being a training center and being a mission base. Because clearly we do not come to the church as a finished product. Or God help us if we come to the church thinking we're a finished product. We are encrusted with guilt and shame and we have Life patterns that are harmful, dysfunctional, sinful. And through the Spirit's influence within the church, we find that we are able to get cleaned up. 
that we're able to accept the forgiveness that God offers, really actually accept it and allow it to alter us. Allow it to transform us over time towards the better self that God would have us be. Life begins anew through the Spirit. So we're a work in progress, and we are right to look at the church to provide us avenues by which to spiritually grow. The church should do that for us. And the church has the right to expect of its members to participate in those programs and grow. And to help stage those programs so others can grow. We strive to make the church a safe place to explore our religious thoughts. We make room for one another to do the work of growth that God has set before each one of us. We look to our church to mentor us, to draw us upward, to draw us forward, so that we move beyond our short-sightedness. Move beyond our prejudices or hard-heartedness, our selfishness, towards our better loving selves. The church at its best, tries to teach us to be our brother's keeper. To treat others as we would like to be treated. To turn the other cheek. This is what we teach in here. You might not learn this other places. This is the church's agenda, God's agenda for us, that we would be people who can do this. The church teaches us to be honest for the sake of being honest, not to lie. The church teaches us to value one another enough to do the things that hold the social fabric together so it's a healthy The church teaches us not to seek revenge or to judge or to belittle one another. The church is the place where we practice these things, where we try to live into these things, where we fail and for are forgiven and try to live into them again. The church helps us to grow into these counter-cultural values.
I think a disciple looks for spiritual formation experiences in their church. So he or she increases in the love and knowledge of God and the love and service of neighbor. And we do this through our exercises of worship experience. We go over to the, the machine of class studies and to the growth group exercises. We do various things in prayer groups. We practice, we train, we strengthen. All of these things are avenues through which to partner with the Spirit to spiritually grow up. And I will say it frankly, that if a church is not joining hearts, hands, and hands, hearts, minds, and hands to provide these opportunities, or not taking the time to participate in these opportunities, it is not doing well at making and maturing disciples of Christ. Doesn't happen through osmosis or wannabes. It happens by intentional engagement with the Spirit through tried and true disciplines of the faith. And it's fair for us to expect to have those experiences here among ourselves at our church. To provide them participate in them. Second thing, church as mission base, a place from which we are deployed for service. I think the church not only makes and, mo- and uh, matures disciples, but it mobilizes disciples. It sends disciples out into service, mobilizing them to do the work of God in their neighborhood, in their community, in their time, and their place. Disciples look to their church to help them find ways to live out their compassion and to discover meaning and purpose through their faith by making a difference in other people's lives. Jesus appreciates both the Mary and the Martha. Needs us both. Needs us to be both. I'll share that it was a formative experience for me to go with my family when I was a youngster. We lived in an upper-middle-class kind of western suburb of Chicago. Cathedral Church, a couple thousand people. We collected uh, a bunch of canned goods and stuff like that for the, uh, some of the poor folk in the inner city of Chicago. And mom and dad were in the front seat and they brought little Chip along to go in with them to see what was going on. And it opened my eyes to a whole other kind of world of people that I wasn't that familiar with. But it was formative for me because my folks were doing something motivated by their faith stretching beyond their comfort zone to try to make a difference, to be an ally with another 
group of folk in a different circumstance to help them get along a little better. And I remember when this uh, mostly white church came out in, in some force to support an NAACP rally in our county park. We weren't rallying for ourselves, uh, but maybe in a way we were rallying for a better society that we wanted for ourselves. We were there in solidarity of another community that was not feeling so respected or empowered. And I remember being taken to that by my folks. And I remember thinking how marvelous that was, that there was a walk that ran along with the talk that I was hearing at the church. Now, that was some 50-some years ago, and a small little, small little event, but it was formative on me, for me because it was modeling for me how faith was a little bit more than just getting self-uplifting pleasure. Now, I think we've done that here at UMC Westlake Village with our monthly meal program. Have you been a part of that? If you haven't, be a part of that. It's a great opportunity to kind of live out a passion for helping people, getting food in some people's mouths. Thanks to our youth group, we had a multi-generational event last year in which we made a whole bunch of bags of uh, dry food, a meal. Four hours of work or something, 20,000 meals found its way, I believe, to Vietnam to feed people. And I don't know where you are on your, on your political policy debate on immigration and refugees and stuff like that, but I know that you all decided that since there were some refugees in our midst, that you were going to do something about it. You were going to be compassionate about that that you are going to try to help ease a little bit of that pain, a little bit of that disorientation of the dislocation of going from one culture to another, that you are going to have it in your heart to be an ambassador of love. This kind of thing is the church as a mission base. A place where we practice full-in faith. You've suited up, you're into the game. You're not just watching it from the sidelines. You're not just kind of dipping your toe in the water to see if maybe you might like it. You've decided you're a disciple of Christ and you're going to do something about loving other people and making a difference. A demonstrative faith is what we're in training for as a disciple of Christ. A faith that makes a difference, that is of consequence for God in the coming of God's peaceable kingdom. I think we all want to know that we make a difference, that our life was of some consequence, of some good. 
And wouldn't it just be the, the saddest of things if we were to learn that our church would not be missed if we closed our doors? When the church is church, it is making, it is maturing, and it is mobilizing disciples of Christ for the transformation of the world. This is one of our core principles, that the church is a training center, that the church is a mission base. Let's keep this in mind. Well, more so, let's keep this in heart. Let's look to our church to be this for us and help our church to be this for others. So that the wailing of the soul that we heard in our solo is expressed less and less and less. Because love is real and forgiveness is experienced. Amen.